Guys, if you are a writer but you want to write nonfiction, if you are a writer and you want to write really big opinion pieces, you want to do something that is going to make people stop and stare and get out of our current clickbait society, then this episode is for you. And if you're listening to that and you're like, hell yes, Olivia, that is exactly what I want, um, then you better make sure that you click subscribe. <laughs> I have a lot more of exciting interviews coming like this, but honestly, this is the one that you really, really want to um, listen into. So stick, click subscribe. If you do love this, then please, it would mean the world to me if you could click the little five star button of whatever app that you are listening into this, but also leave a little review if you could ever be so kind or just even share this with a friend who might also be an avid writer. Once again, this podcast, the Writer's Advice podcast, is brought to you by the Writer's Journal. And this is literally storytelling in a journal. There are so many books out there that tell you exactly how to, oh, this is how you write a book, this is this, blah, 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 blah. This isn't going to tell you how to write a book in any like way. It is just going to prompt you about how to create the best storytelling at to create the best storytelling for whatever your story is. And this could be for fiction or nonfiction. In the characters section, it's about taking apart the pieces of the specific character, whether that is true, whether that is a made-up character, a fictional character. You can answer the questions to make sure that you've got all the research, all the in-depth parts that you need to pull this character together and bring them to real life in your storytelling. You have the world building, which can be how you are surrounding your nonfiction story, what the scenes that you are putting around this nonfiction story, the most important parts that you're going to pull from your research, but it can also be the world that you're building in fiction. It also is the plot, the overall plot of how you're going to pace and make this all come together to a complete page turner. And of course, it keeps you accountable at the end as well. And so you tick off how many, how you've been putting everything that you have. Oh my God, listen to me. How you have been writing every single day to put your plan that you have created throughout the journal in action. So the really thing that I love the most about this is how it is literally you answering the question. So it's literally you pondering. It's not someone telling you how to do it. It is getting the best out of you. It is prompting you to, to get started and really get the best out of you of all the thoughts that are running through your head for whatever it is that you want to write. You can get that at oliviahillier.com or you can get that at Amazon. Just search the Writer's Journal by Olivia Hillier. All right, let's get in to today's episode. Enjoy, guys. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice podcast, everyone. Now, I am so excited for this interview, and I know a lot of, pe a lot of listeners are excited for this interview today because I have Marissa Meltzer on the podcast, and if you haven't heard of Marissa, you have literally written for 
every single major i'm going to say pretty much every single major <laughs> a publication there is it's like wall street journal uh vanity fair vogue l like you are the go-to fashion and beauty writer which i'm so excited to go into but i know that so many people also are obsessed with glossy um which is emily weiss's glossy glossier the the book that that you most recently wrote but i want to go all the way back to the start and i want to know how this whole career started for you like did you know that you wanted to get into journalism writing what was it how did it all start for you I sort of knew that I wanted to get into journalism and writing, but also did not know at all. I um, I was always like a bookish kid and read books and my parents subscribed to a lot of magazines that I was probably reading, you know, before I even completely understood them, but was fascinated by that world. And that was, you know, kind of the um, golden age in some ways of, you know, 90s magazines and um but I didn't necessarily think that I was going to become a journalist because I didn't write for the newspaper in my high school or you know study it or take classes or anything like that I I didn't I don't know I just didn't have a strong idea but I was always good at writing and interested in reading and then kind of just fell into it and that I'd done a lot of um you know, classic after university kind of jobs as an assistant or whatever. And I was really bad at all of them, not even in a way where I'm, you know, being kind, I was not good at them. And so, um, and then gotten fired from a lot of jobs. And then some acquaintances of mine had a feminist uh, independent magazine in San Francisco called uh, bitch magazine. I don't know if I'm allowed to say yeah, that yeah, word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote little things for them. And just you know, once I just started writing, I really, I just had so much to say and I, I wanted people to read it and it just really clicked in this place. And then, you know, one thing to led to another writing for a slightly larger magazine and and uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since, oh, probably over 20 years now. That's amazing. And I, I love how you started off, how you said with like Bitch Magazine, because I feel like that would have been like the ideal place for you to kind of like create this incredible voice. And I think that's what you're so known for. It's like this epic, like feminist voice. But you, the way that you write, I think is, it's like uh, so many people can read and listen to it and like be like, yeah, yeah. For so many women, like I can understand and like really feel your writing, which I think is amazing. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Uh, yeah, it's it's my voice. I mean, it, yeah, it's who I am, and I think it's who a lot of people are. In that, I am smart. I want to learn more. I think deeply about things, but I also really care about reading things and writing things that are readable and fun and don't feel like eating, you know, some kind of like bland food because it's healthy and because, you know, I want things to be thrilling and page turn, you can't put it down. And I want everything to feel like, um, you know, I just met a celebrity or I just heard this story and I'm telling my friends, you know, and I'm telling you the good parts and I'm telling you the juicy parts and we're analyzing it together. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. Now, there's two there's two parts of your career that you've gone down as well. So it's kind of like now you're freelance. Is that right? I've always been freelance. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. So you're getting pitched to by like you know the biggest publications. Are you kind of able to choose now, like what they kind they'll pitch something to you, and you're like, oh yeah this is how, like, I'll pick that one, I'll pick that one, or are you kind of like, oh, I'd like to put this spin on? How is it all kind of, like, working in your world that way? It's a weird time for media, and so it's good to say no to things, for sure. I think if I say no to something, it's because timing-wise, it doesn't work. Um, I don't think it's enough time for me to really do a good job of like, you know, getting the reporting done or um, I have too many other projects going on and know that I won't be able to really devote myself to it. Um, But I'm pretty open about topics because I'm a person that I actually do well with other people's direction and ideas. I I often find that those are the stories that turn out the best. I think sometimes when it's my own personal obsession, it can be great, but those can be kind of harder to write in a way because it it is hard to translate something that you know a lot about or think a lot about to, you know, paper because it's things that seem so, I don't know, kind of secondhand to you or something like that. And you have to pause and remember not everyone is thinking about I don't know the beauty industry so deeply um but yeah I definitely have um people publications that approach me sometimes I pitch things but um I find that I'm doing that less because I tend to do things like pitch books or you know, I don't know, a podcast or something like that and um, less, I don't know, reported story or something like that. That could change. Yeah, 100%. But so how did it go? How did it go from, you know, writing articles to, okay, cool, here's my first book. What was the process of, of that? They weren't so far apart because I wrote my first book. I got the... I think I got the book deal when I was maybe 26 or 27 years old. So it was relatively early in my career. And I think I had book fever the way that some women have baby fever. It was all that I could think about. I really wanted to write a book and I was having um, more and more friends that were getting book deals, which also illuminated the process. You know, you, you start seeing your friends do it and you understand that it's not just something that kind of magically happens. You can have an idea and find an agent and you write a book proposal and then it gets shopped around to different um, editors and it's sold that way. And that there is, you know, rhyme and reason somewhat to the whole process. And so, um, so yeah, I, I wrote a few books earlier on in my career they were relatively, I guess you would say smaller books, more niche. And, um, and so in some ways that's a good way to start book writing because there is less pressure to somehow deliver 
you know, some kind of huge seller to make up for the amount of money that you're getting advanced. Um, that is a lot of pressure on a young writer and in some ways something that you can't really control. Um, uh, or, I mean, in, literally you can't control it because you can't force people to buy it, but you know, it's, um, anyway, so, uh, they always were hand in hand yeah. and they had never really had, I don't know, a book deal that was so significant in money that I could just afford to only write a book for a couple of years. You know, that has to be a lot of money once mm. you know people have this idea of books is a lot of money because you'll see numbers, but you know, even something like a $500,000 book deal is a significant amount of money, but that is paid out over several years, depending on how much time you spent writing and researching and taxes and your agent fee fees. It's, it really doesn't. And considering most book deals are significantly less than that small percentage, it's something that you have to be able to integrate into the rest of your work. Uh, yeah, I love how you say that too, specifically. So say you do like, well, you have had many book deals and it, has that kind of helped with like, okay, cool. Now a lot more people are looking for me and wanting to have write articles. Like they feed off each other or more people have been like, actually, no, we want another book from her. Like they've kind of fed off each other that way. Is that how you found they feed off of each other? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that they both can help grow I don't know a, a fan base or you know readers and um they you know it depends if I think it would be a harder I've always written books about things that I've also written journalistic pieces about I think it would be much more of a disconnect if the books that I were writing were about World War II or something like that um and have just a completely different vibe and readership. So, you know, it's, I've written, for example, about beauty a lot and uh, dieting and wellness a lot. So my book, This Is Big, which was about my own sort of dieting and also a history of Weight Watchers and its founder made sense. And so the kind of people who, you know, maybe followed my name or liked my writing, were gonna be interested in that book for sure. And similarly, um, I had written about Glossier and had written a lot about the beauty industry. So, you know, you have a certain amount of people that are prepped to be interested in that. And I also think writing journalism helps keep your name, you know, in, in people's minds. And also it's great contacts for when you have to actually go and promote your work, you you have these contacts with editors or producers or whatever that most book publicists are so happy <laughs> to supplement with because you know the more the more sort of opportunity you have or people who know you who will at least feel obligated to take a review copy if not read it, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to know when you're writing about somewhat like when you're writing about Emily or you're writing about the founder of Weight Watchers what is that process like because like how does it go do you write the full book and then you're like okay here you go do you need to look over that are you both kind of working on it and looking at certain pieces together to make sure that everything's okay and passed like what is what is that process like um I'm definitely not sharing the book with them 
yeah. not because it's not um it's my work it's it's not um it's kind of a journalistic you know faux pas to ever share your work with someone that you're writing about unless I was ghostwriting a project yeah. or it was some kind of authorized biography where you're you know working with someone who's handing over you know their kind of papers and diaries in exchange for being involved yeah. write about but that's never um something that I have done it's not something I would be opposed to but it the Weight Watchers book as well as uh the Glossier book are both you know my own uh ideas and works but with both I had some level of I guess what they call in the publishing industry cooperation so yeah. Weight Watchers even though the founder of Weight Watchers had had been had died and hadn't been involved in Weight Watchers for a few decades. Um, by the time I was writing, Weight Watchers very generously opened up some of their archives and kind of helped me where they could. Um, and with Glossier, Emily Weiss and many Glossier employees gave me interviews, whether it was on the record or you know on background or off the record. And so my research process for anything is just to start with um, as much information I can, reading every article I can find, um, academic work, movies, podcasts, YouTube clips, TikToks, um, you know, going into um, magazine collections you know, sometimes museums, if there's anything that pertains. I went to the Library of Congress, which is in Washington, D.C., that has sort of the largest government archives of a lot of different magazines and, you know, really old ones to find things about Gene Nightedge, the Weight Watchers founder. So I just cast a wide net and similarly with interviewing, just trying to talk to anyone who maybe knew the person or just, you know, has something to say or is smart or interesting, whether or not it, it makes it in the final um, version of the book or just kind of helps inform how I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I, I want to dive more into the process, but this is something I didn't, I didn't actually know about. So I didn't know that like legally when you're pitching this, this um, idea, say, um, you know, Weight Watchers or Emily Weiss, is there things that Weight Watchers in general have to sign off on because their name is kind of being used within it and same with Gossier and Emily or it's kind of like no this is a third party piece it's it's okay yeah no it's a third party piece it's okay I think it you know it's but it also gets um and again I imagine the laws and things can vary country by country but you as part of um what uh, your publisher does, you know, besides uh, designing the cover and, you know, having sales reps and distributing and, you know, literally printing the book, they also have a legal department. So that department is, um, there are lawyers that specialize in um, those kinds of intellectual property and defamation and things that give a very close read of your book. And there's a process 
of um, you know discussion and notes and um, anything that might you know be an issue or anything like that. Yeah, that's incredible. And also, you're writing it from like this is my perspective. So I guess that that covers so much. But I have so I bet you there's so many people listening into this right now who might be a journalist or is like I've wanted to write a nonfiction book and really focus on this thing. Who's like ready to go now because that's just cleared so much for them. But when it comes to um, just like general research, you're going into all this. What is that daily process? Are you kind of like okay, I've got this project. I'm going to do so many months of research. I'm going to lay it out this way. What's kind of the project of, of writing something? It's it's kind of just what you said. I usually yeah. start with blocking off as much time as I can to research. And then at a certain point, you have to stop just for deadlines or that's how you see that, you know, someone is, when someone says they took 14 years to write something that's it because you can keep researching. Also people can write very slowly or whatever, but I tend to stop researching at a certain point. And then there's always exceptions. If you, if someone who you wanted to interview finally decides that they'll give you an interview or you find some kind of great, you know, I don't know, article or something like that about them. But um, yeah. And then you start writing and then that takes however long, you know, that takes. I'm a pretty fast writer, but the writing process of that first draft is, um, for me, the probably the hardest part. It's just, it's a slog. You, for me, I'm constantly thinking, oh, the, uh, this isn't very good. And you know that it'll get better, but it's hard to ever see that point when it will. And you know, it's, you're in the process of something instead of being in the process of something for a few days or a week, you're in the process of something that isn't finished for months. And it can just feel, make you feel a little um, uh, strange. I, you know, there's always some party or something that I go to while I'm writing and I feel like I'm completely inept at talking about anything except for when I'm writing about or just complaining about how I feel um, so crazy. And then, you know, and then it's eventually over and, um, and then you go into the editing process, but at least at that point you have something to work from. Yeah, well, it's like you have to dive your head into that world so much. And, you you know, it's your opinions, but it's also facts that you've got to blend together that it literally becomes the whole world around you that when you go to step out of it, it's like, <laughs> hang on, there. there's another world around me at the moment too. When, so like when you've, um say you finish something like that, are you kind of, what's your favorite part of the process? Like obviously not the first draft. Are you really involved in like you love the research or it's kind of like, oh no, that's it's when it's done? Yeah, I love each part in its own way. The research is probably the most fun for me, but it can also be the most frustrating because um, a lot of it isn't under your control. You know, you can't really force someone to give you an interview who doesn't want to. You can't force, you know, and something that's out of print that you can't find to suddenly come up on eBay. You know, the, um, the reward of, finding something or having someone say yes at last is exciting, but doesn't always happen. And so, but that part is really fun. Um, and the writing itself 
can be exhausting, but there's also moments of beauty and joy of something kind of flowing or, you know, when something kind of clicks into place, that's so satisfying. And then the editing process of collaborating with your editor and refining and moving something around and realizing that that was the, you know, perfect thing to do that you hadn't thought of before. That's so satisfying. Yeah. Absolutely. And then of course when you get the finished product, it's just like, whew, you know, yeah. it's really... And this glossy book, it is literally taking the world by storm. It is everywhere. Even when I go to tune into a podcast, everyone's talking about it. Everyone, like it is everywhere. And I pretty sure I devoured it in like two days. I am like, wow. I am the everything that was in it. I did, I had no idea. Well, I'm sure no one had an idea of the extent of everything that's that's gone into that whole business and brand and world and even the extent of the impact of, of everything that you've put together was really like impactful is all I, I can say. It's been very interesting business book to read, but just also to dive into someone else's life like that was incredible. Do you kind of like finish something like that and then be like, okay, that's actually what I, have you got any other book ideas coming in? You're like, that's the next thing I want to dive into. <laughs> yeah, I actually got the book deal for my next book about a month or so before Glossy came out. So I'm in Paris right now researching a book on Jane Birkin. Wow. That's yeah. going to be amazing. That, that supposedly it'll be out in about a year and a half, summer 2025. So you're in the middle of the depths of that world at the moment? <laughs> yeah I am (laughs) I won't ask any more questions but I'm very very excited for for when that comes out that's um that's incredible and incredibly powerful now I'm in the phase where I'm you know it's a million moving parts and I'm you know wondering if it'll all work out but you know that's the dream though you're currently like being I feel like for a writer's dream to be like I'm in Paris I'm diving deep into this I'm in this little world like there must be some incredible beautiful moments when you're in the middle of something like that at the same time it is it is it's been wonderful I'm leaving in a few days I've been here for two months and could easily stay longer both because I love Paris and because the opportunities for research are kind of endless but I've made good use of my time I've been very busy and uh now I have to go uh, you know into my little hovel and write this thing yeah that's exciting now you have shared so much incredible stuff about your career and just diving deep research everything about writing say there's someone there's a someone who wants to get into journalism or maybe wants to get specifically into opinion pieces or writing specific books what's kind of some advice that you would would pass on to to someone listening right now um I think it's it's important to read it I meet an alarming number of writers who don't read books um and barely read articles and that makes no sense to me. I guess I'm biased because I've always been a reader, but I also think that it's really hard to develop a voice without reading a lot. I think it's the best way to do it and to understand what you like and what you don't like and what works you think in in things and doesn't work. So that's my number one advice. And, you know, it's, it's an easy one to start with. I also think, you know, um, you can treat it as a career, but I think it's important 
to be realistic about growing your career at a small pace. Um, I think that one thing that I would advise that I sort of wish that I had done more is have maybe, you know, a full-time job or something that gives you a certain amount of economic stability and then really spend time researching big ideas, whether it's an article or a book or something like that, rather than trying to just do a little thing here and there. That can be good for getting your foot in the door, but I think the best way to kind of make a splash um, or to do something that people are really excited about is, you know, a more of thought, something that you really thought through and taken the time to research, to pitch, you know. A hundred percent. And I, I love how you said that because also the changing of our general media is so very <laughs> clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Everyone's jumping on to the next thing where if you've got something that's like, no, this is different and this is actually going to stand out, people, you know, that's wanted more than ever, hey? I think so, yeah. I mean, those can be, those things can take a really long time mm-hmm. and um, to get all of the things together and especially if you are, a newer writer, it can be hard to get it placed, but it can happen. And um, people are always on the lookout for really incredible stories. And, you know, there are sort of more ways to tell those than ever too. It could be serialized in a newsletter that you write. It could be told in a podcast. It could be in a series of TikToks, it could be in the Atlantic magazine, it, you know, it could be a lot of different forms too. And I think probably being open to that is, is helpful. Yeah, 100%. It's like a whole world of storytelling. It's finding your avenue for it. Yeah. And, and your voice, which I absolutely love. Thank you so much, Marissa. You have shared so much good stuff with us. And if you haven't read Glossy already, everyone needs to go out and get it now. Seriously. <laughs> It is so good, but we're also now looking forward to summer 2025. No pressure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Marissa.